genuine question now. Go ahead. When was the last time you experienced decent, not even like exceptional, just decent customer service? Oh, long time ago. I mean, there's no secret formula for it yet. What we do know is that most companies seem to be pretty bad at it. But not you, my friend, not you, listener. Oh, no. You can create an amazing customer service experience when you use the brand new service hub from HubSpot. Yep, this all-new service hub from HubSpot brings customer service and support together in one simple but powerful platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. And of course, it's powered by AI, not Al, AI, meaning your team can automate those tedious tickets from people who've clearly not read your frequently asked questions. Pain in the backside, aren't they? Oh, and by the way, organizations using HubSpot Service Hub are resolving tickets 13 times faster, helping them to close 42% more tickets per day. That means increasing retention by more than 80%. Thank you, people at HubSpot who, who did the maths on that one, because I wouldn't be able to. I love a bit of data. Did you also know, Al, that it consolidates your entire internal knowledge base into one place? So no matter who is working on support, they'll have the answers at their fingertips. I did know that because I wrote that for you. Well, there you have it. Stand out from the crowd and migrate to HubSpot Service Hub today. Visit HubSpot.com slash service and learn how this all-new solution can help you deliver for your customers. If you're experiencing issues in your organization and you think it's your people, don't see them as a problem. See them as the solution. They are central to that solution. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture podcast. I'm Al. And just give you a bit of context, this is a podcast for generally service-based industries who have employees and they want their employees to care as much about their business as they do. Is that a fair summary, do you think? I think that's a perfect summary. Cool. Okay. So what we're talking about today is I'm quite excited about this one because I like practical application. Uh, So we're going to talk about today is the four things that you can do to improve your employee engagement. Now, we talked in episode one about what is employee engagement. I'm going to ask Leanne in a second to summarize why listeners should care about employee engagement. But before we do, let's just introduce ourselves a little bit more formally. So, you are Leanne. I am. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) So, Leanne (laughs) is the co-founder of Oblong, which is a consultancy which is based around engagement, culture, recruitment and management of great people. Yes, it is. Um, so I'm a business psychologist. I've been working with small businesses throughout my career. Um, the odd large business as well, such so as DWP, the NHS, on a consulting basis. Um, but really, my experience has shown me that to have success as a small business, to have growth as a small business, it really comes down to creating a team that cares as much about your business as you do. And so I'm Al, the other half of Oblong, but my background is all about sales and marketing. That's what I've been doing for 140,000 years. Um, I've also started businesses, run businesses, um, had businesses go bankrupt, um, which was another story for another day. (laughs) Um, But 
I think what you'll see the format of this is that very much I'm going to be asking the questions. I will not be providing any kind of expertise because that's Leanne's job, because Leanne has letters after a name that are longer than my entire name. She's a very clever I'm lady. not sure your name is really long. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think maybe the average person, but Mr. Two Names in the middle. Should, and... should we should we tell everyone what my stupid name is? Go on. Then. So my real name is Alistair Dallas Robert Elliott. There you go. Do with that what you Sounds will. Sounds very regal. <laughs> I wish I was like Alistair Dallas Robert Elliott III or something. That would be cool. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to this. So uh, you take pride in your work. You're a service-based industry. You take pride in your work. And of course you do. But you should also take pride in your people. And you need to do that by ensuring you create an environment that ensures that your people are engaged. Shall we start with a very quick, like literally 90 second summary of what employee engagement is and what happens when you don't get it right? Yes. So if you want a more detailed explanation, go back to episode one. If you're starting in episode two, you rebel. I like you already. But maybe go back, find out a little bit more about employee engagement. But to just, are you all right there, love? I didn't expect that. that was, I like that little riff. <laughs> I took a sip of water. <laughs> so yes, go back and listen. But if you can't be bothered, fine. You're a busy person, I understand. In a nutshell, employee engagement is something, it's a phenomenon within your business. And it's about making sure that you are creating an environment that is that is nurturing the right employee attitudes thoughts feelings that's going to translate into employee behaviors and that's going to translate into business performance as one of or i guess the probably the the prominent voice in the psychology world and employment engagement um dave mcloyd said that employee engagement is a workplace approach resulting in the right conditions for all members of an organization to give their best every day they're going to be committed to their organization's goals and values and they're going to be motivated to contribute to organizational success. And the bonus, it's also going to enhance their own sense of well-being. So one of the things that Leanne said in a previous podcast or a previous episode was that she hates the F word. And it's not the one you're thinking of. It's the I f- love that word. <laughs> we've, been, we've had a discussion whether we should use it on the podcast. We're only episode two. Let's just pause well, that for a minute. In, yeah. in. Um, but that's the word fluffy. And I think that a lot of people, myself included, and possibly you who's listening is, that you think of these things as like a nice to have. But there's a direct correlation, particularly in service-based businesses, between engaged employees who want to create amazing work and, um, and profit and scalability. I mean, imagine if you had 30, 40 employees who every single day they came into work and they thought about either the bet- a better way to do what they're doing or a better, better work they can create or how they can push the business forward and help you scale the business to where you want to be. We're talking about real direct to bottom line impact here. Absolutely. And even the, the quickest Google search is going to show you that employee engagement has been empirically, scientifically, directly linked to organize better organizational outcomes from increased profitability, higher customer satisfaction, more growth, more creativity, more innovation, reduced turnover, higher well-being, therefore reduced absenteeism. The list goes on. So think back to Mad Men. If you've watched Mad Men, if you're in the um, if you're in the marketing advertising industry, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, what made them want to stay till eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, work on a campaign, work on the actual idea? 
Well, the, well, it was down to engagement. They believed in the the direction of the leaders. And although I'm sure that's an actually that's a great podcast episode. The fine Don line Draper. there between engagement and coercive leadership. But but yes, <laughs> it, it was effective in motivating its people. <laughs> I think it was interesting the episode where they injected everyone with LSD. Was it LSD or something? Yes, but then microdosing is also a thing in the creative world. Mm. Another topic for another day, mm. but. So let's get back to the topic for today, which is the four things you can do to improve, improve, improve employee engagement. That's not easy to say. So, Leah, do you want to start with number one? Yes. Just to give a little context before (laughs) I dive into number one. um, The reality is there is no one fit model um, of assessing employee engagement within your organization. And particularly if you're a small organization, I believe it's very important to understand the unique drivers of engagement in your business, particularly in um, digital businesses, creative businesses, or you know even businesses that are recruiting more entry-level roles. They're, they're likely to have a, a higher demographic of millennial, Gen Z workforce, so people kind Can of just... age 38 and under. Sorry, oh, sorry I was about to ask you to define Gen Z and millennial. But I'm... Sure, yeah. So millennials, I think, are 1980 to 94, um, and then Gen Z is a generation after that, so 95 to can't remember but 20 something um, but the people gen z's are now the people that are entering the workforce and having quite the impact they're gonna have slightly different drivers of engagement so for example we found in a, a client recently that corporate social responsibility was really important to this demographic so it is important to to look in your business and find those unique drivers of engagement. That said, there is research that's been done, and I'm going to reference my busy mate, David McLeod, again, not that I've met him. Would love to. Dave, if you're listening, give me a call. <laughs> um, but he did a, a really fundamental piece of research into employee engagement. It was actually commissioned by the UK government back in 2009. Do you know why that was commissioned, Al? Uh, no, I don't know. It was commissioned because it's estimated that disengaged employees, which we know are around 70% of the workforce, claim to be disengaged. That's 70, 70. 70, wow. yeah. The cost of that is estimated to be between 52 and 70 billion pounds per year. Wow. That's slightly more than you got paid last year. Only slightly. <laughs> But, but yeah, it's, it's a massive economic problem, which is why this isn't fluff. This isn't nice to have. This is fundamental to business success, which is why the UK government commissioned this report. And what McLeod found, and he spoke to lots of different organisations, small, public sector, private sector, massive corporations. And he found that there are four general areas that organisations can concentrate their efforts to improve employee engagement. And just to check, this is applicable, not this isn't just the IBMs and the Facebooks of the world. This is applicable to someone who's got 20 employees. Even more so applicable, I think, because when you think about a larger organization, and we go back to that analogy of the boat last week, again, if you didn't listen, I'm not going to explain it, go back. Um, but if we think about that that analogy again, you know, the, the more people that you have rowing forwards, you know, the, those people who are disengaged are going to potentially have less disruption or less impact in a larger business potentially in a smaller business if the vast majority if 70% of your workforce are disengaged Mm -hmm. 
you know, you're talking, you might have four, three, four people that are rowing forward in your boat and the rest aren't. So I think it's even more imperative that small businesses take note of employee engagement. Brilliant. So let's go get into the four. So do you want to, are you going to list them off in one, two, three, four? Or are you going to go one you explanation? Tell me. Well, you why don't do? we, do you know what I quite like when, when you hear the four and then you hear the context behind them? So I'm going to give you the, the kind of the, the psychological terms that were given to all the, you know, the, the, re- the terms of research you gave, which some make sense, some don't, but we'll go back through them. So the first, first enabler or driver engagement in your business that you have control of as a business leader. I think that's the important thing to mention is that you have control over Mm -hmm. this. The first one is strategic narrative. Strategic narrative. Strategic narrative. The second is engaging managers. The third is employee voice. And the fourth is organizational integrity. So shall we go through these one by one? Yes, so that's a difficult (laughs) word. Strategic narrative um, is really about leadership. It's about vision. It's about empowering people. It's about creating a vision that people can buy into, that believe in, that provides them with purpose, provides them with meaning. They understand the organization, where it's come from, where it is right now, and where it wants to go. Um, And I think there's a really great, and we've talked about this a lot before, in terms of vision, right? Is it though? Is not just something like a mission statement you write down? Does anyone really look at it? The reality is that when it's done well, that translates to all levels within the organization. And there's a great great story that's been used uh, you know across across um research and business when it comes to explain the impact of, of vision um it's about jfk when he visited nasa um when they were trying to put him on the moon and he spoke to various different people and various different employees different levels and he spoke to the janitor the person who cleans around scrubs the toilets and he said to him what's what's your what's your role here and the giant turned around and replied, I'm here to put a man on the moon, sir. That's so cool. Gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? It does. Because there's such a clear vision and mission and such great leaders that are making sure this is translating to all levels of the organization. That even somebody who isn't in a technical role, they're not literally going to be the person that enables that. But their role within that organization is still so critical. And they understand that. They bring that purpose into themselves that what's my role? To put a man on the moon. So let's just translate that then. So um, let's just say that you are a web design agency, you own a web design agency, and there is someone in there whose job it is to do the accounts. So if I understood this correct, that what they're saying is if you're, if the idea of the web design agency is to create the most effective lead generation websites that they can possibly do, possibly create for clients, then the person who just literally counts the numbers at the end of the day is ensuring perhaps you might say, what's your vision? What's your, sorry, what's your role? Um, My role is to ensure there's enough cash in the business so that the amazing designers can go and create amazing websites. Is that, have I got that right? Yeah, but I think you can even take it one step further than that if you've got an organization that has such a clear vision. I remember doing some um, preliminary interviews before we, we launched engagements over the client. And I was chatting with somebody who had various roles in the business, been there for, for a number of years, and currently wasn't in a management position. And I asked what, what his role was, what the purpose of his role was. And he answered me, and it was a, 
um, a, f- a finance agency. Um, and he said, my role is to help business owners sleep at night. I am quickly interrupting this phenomenal podcast to recommend another phenomenal podcast, Nudge. We love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, a true gent. It is, of course, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. But that is not the only reason we're recommending it, is it, Al? No, it's not. No, we've recommended it to lots of people. If you look at any of our YouTube comments, it won't take you long, there's about 20 of them, <laughs> then you'll see that we recommend Phil uh, to anyone who likes our pod. Well, on Nudge, you're going to learn simple evidence-backed tips. It's going to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, and grow a business. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. For now. For now, Phil, we're coming for you, buddy. (laughs) If you loved hearing Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy on our show back in episode 83, then Phil's latest episode has Rory on again talking about McDonald's, smoking, and why the pension system is broken. I suppose we should say that actually Rory's been on a couple of times on to nudge. It's not that uh, Phil's seen what we've done and gone, I'll have Rory. So I think it's important. Yeah, no, we copied. We copied Phil. Anyway, listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Really cool because because that person understood that whilst they may be in a very technical role and too removed from the customer, which is the business owner, everything they do is fundamentally contributing to the mission of that organization. And the mission of that organization was to help business owners sleep at night because they know they've got the finances to achieve what they want to achieve with their business. So I'm taking from this as a an owner of a, a few businesses before, and I have embarrassingly written a few um, a few mission statements, and they've just been a bit bullshitty. They haven't really had any kind of practical application. So I'm taking from this that if you have a very clear mission statement that could be summed up and replicated, and what's the word when you when you vocal vocalize? That's the word, mm-hmm. <laughs> and vocalized by every member of staff in the, in the, or every member of the team then you all have this shared vision and you and this is what what do you fancy psychologists call this bit strategic narrative strategic narrative so that's number one what about number two and i think just to just to mention one thing on on that strategic narrative as well is that it goes beyond just having a a a good vision or mission statement it's then about how the, the changes you make either operationally or process or even just in terms of the terminology that you use in your business can impact this. So, for example, I worked for a very progressive organization in welfare to work that was founded simply through frustration of seeing um, people who were benefit claimants not being treated with as a customer, not having that customer experience. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to make sure you're ticking the boxes you need to to claim your benefits. And one of the simple things that the MD did and insisted upon is that we never, ever call the people we work with clients, ever. And that was standard in the industry, to call them clients. No, absolutely no. And if she heard it, she would come down on you so hard. The people we work with were customers. They were our customers. When she was talking to managers, She'd say to us, how many customers do you have? And we didn't work directly with customers. But the point she was making was that if you're a manager of a team, however many customers each member of your team is has on their caseload, add that together and that's the number of customers that you're responsible for. Mm. And just that simple thing built accountability to a level where you you couldn't do anything other than than treat people 
as customers, encourage your team to to promote that customer service because you weren't talking about your customer, Jane, where are they up to? You're saying, where's our customer up to? Mm-hmm. And that is, is, is a it's a simple example of just how it's not just about having a fancy mission statement or values on the wall. It's actually about how do you translate that into your business? What are the behaviors you expect from your people to see that vision manifest within your business? Okay, so that's the first thing we can do to improve employee engagement. Um, it clearly resonates with you. So what's number two? So number two is engaging managers. And I think any person, business owner, psychologist, certainly HR professional, is going to be very clued in on the difference between leaders and managers. Um, and I think that the difference is that, as I mentioned there, that, you know, my director is is phoning me as a manager. I'm, my role is to manage this operation within the business, what the vision is. And that's what engaging management is. It's people who really focus their people. They give them scope. They understand how they can give their their people responsibilities to deliver on this vision. They treat their people as individuals. There's no one fits all approach. Um, you know, they really, they have empathy for people, a genuine interest in people. And they're a coach. They stretch their people. They they help them deliver, you know, um, what's the word? Develop their skills, apply their skills. They give them influence. The things about managers, and although we're talking about four things you can do within a business to support engagement, if you only do one thing, make sure you have great managers. Recruit great managers, train great managers, keep good managers. In research terms, the latest research, and this is what I say latest, it's actually 80 years worth of research gathered by Gallup, um, who you might remember we mentioned last week in terms of an engagement provider, They have found that roughly speaking, about 67% of the variance of engagement within a business comes down to management. 67, did you say? 60 to 70%. And what I mean by variance is that if you do nothing else in your business, but you have great managers, then you're two thirds of the way there to having great engagement. If you have bad managers, but you're doing everything else to support engagement, at best, you're having a 30% impact on the employee engagement within your business. So do we want to move on to number three then? Yeah, so number three is employee voice. And I think this is really the, the root of engagement. And we chatted last week about how if, you know, you, it's one thing to give your employees a voice, um, but there needs to be authenticity behind that. If you're not going to apply the feedback that you get, then you're better doing nothing at all. You'll do far more damage in terms of employee engagement and morale um, by asking for opinions and then not doing anything with them. Um But it goes beyond that as well. Yes, ask employees for their opinion, but also creating an environment where you allow them to challenge views, either between teams or externally. You know, this is, as you said before, about wanting people to to create new ideas and, and be bold and want to come into work and want to improve things. They can only do that if they have employee voice. And employees are not the problem. And I think, which is why, you know, we've we've called this podcast Pride in Your People. You take pride in your work. You have to take pride in your people as well. Um, so they're not—they're not the problem. If you're experiencing issues in your organisation and you think it's your people, don't see them as a problem. See them as the solution. They are central to that solution. Involve them. Listen to them. Allow them to contribute. Utilise their skills and experience and apply their ideas. 
I love that. And there's so many examples in the sexy Silicon Valley where products like life-changing, company-changing products have come from an engineer who was sitting there thinking, this this hasn't worked for me. Let me create my own solution. Hackathons within within industries where or within companies where people will create innovative stuff. And let's be honest, if you don't think that anyone's listening, why would you bother talking? Ultimately, yeah, creating environments that are going to attract certain types of uh, of people. And that's what culture is, you know. You, if you work at Ryanair, the culture will be very different than you work in the <laughs> NHS. You're going to attract different people. So it's not a case of, oh, we have to be listen to everybody and implement every single idea it's empowering people to feel safe enough to offer those ideas and having integrity as a leader that was going to have an impact on your business actually implementing them cool okay so what's number three that was number three. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> You're enjoying it, though. I'm, the time get, is flying I by. I know. What's number four? So number four is organizational integrity, um, which which sounds a bit... Oh, Wanky. Doesn't, yeah, a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I think what, what it's really about is making sure there's no say-do gap. Promises made, a promises kept. Or there's an explanation given as to why not. I think this is so key. One, making sure that if you have values on your wall, you live by them. So if you say, we promote a learning culture, there are no mistakes here, there is no blame. Yet, as a leader or as a manager, you see you see a mess up with a client and you go charging in with an email or a phone call going, what the hell is this? What happened? What were you thinking? then you're not reinforcing the values that you say your organization has. And, and and that incongruence is a massive source of disengagement. The other side to organizational integrity as well is, is that promises made, uh, promises kept, or an explanation given. Employee engagement is about having an adult-to-adult relationship, a conversation. Yes, you know, you're going to have to make difficult decisions as a business owner. You can't always give people exactly what they want. And I think a great example of that working with some of our clients was the impact of the pandemic and particularly financially um you know bonuses were were promised and then not given with no real explanation and i understand the reason it's because we didn't want to you know bonuses related to revenue revenue performance has stagnated because of the impact of the pandemic we don't want to worry people their jobs are safe but the the problem with protecting people is you create this power dynamic that isn't adult to adult, it's adult to child. And that in itself then breeds behaviors of, well, why won't you tell me? Do you not trust me to know? Or everything, oh, everything's fine. So why am I not getting my bonus? So it's integrity as an organization comes from having integrity as a leader. I love that. I mean, you've talked time and time again about congruence and how the congruence is important in every single part of the business, whether it's marketing, sales, um, whether it's leadership, whether it's um, running teams, whether it's hybrid, you know, you, yes, you can work at home, but then, you know, I want you to clock in and out and use Toggle to, to track what you're doing at home. I think it's, uh, I think that's really, really cool. But I think even with that, and I actually saw that as an example as well during the pandemic of of organizations not using toggle but but time sheeting like mm. well, how much time is taken on a specific task and when i spoke to the employees like oh they just don't trust us to to work from home that they're, they're keeping an eye on us when i spoke to the leaders they're like no we just want to make sure that our employees aren't spending because we can't see them 
aren't spending more time than they should be at work on letting work bleed into home time um, or commercially understanding the the customers that are draining our time but perhaps not producing the level of income but that wasn't discussed so this incongruence of, of actions and views was was causing toxicity mm-hmm. um, and once the adult to adult conversation was had everyone breathed out and was like okay let's go so I hope that that's given you something, at least one of those four things that you could implement almost straight away, like in the next week or so in your organization. If you are looking for a little bit more extended help on that, then as you probably know by now, um, we help businesses and predominantly service-based businesses uh, to build amazing cultures where the team cares as much about the business as you do. If you're interested in that, then just go to oblonghq.com or you could email me, al at oblonghq.com hq.com and by the way if you would like to listen to this very clever lady i'm biased because she's my wife but very clever lady uh, for 25 minutes for no money whatsoever bearing in mind she normally charges about a million pound an hour (laughs) then just email podcast at oblonghq.com that's podcast at h at oh god that what a, what a thing to mess up podcast at oblonghq.com and we pick one person every week who will get a Zoom call to ask Leanne whatever she wants. So, is that everything for now? I think so, yeah. And, and, and just to, to kind of recap, the things we talked about there were kind of the, the practical things that you can do within your business. And when we create roadmaps for our clients, they typically revolve around those four aspects. But to know exactly where the issues are, you might have an intuitive feeling you might have other cues in your business that's going to help you identify the areas that you need to focus in on but really the best thing you can do action is only going to be impactful if it's the action that's required and to understand if the action is required run an engagement survey do an order ask your people how things currently are within the organization because the risk of just jumping in with these four things without having the data to fall back on is you might be making investments that aren't going to have the impact on the business that you're looking for. Brilliant. And if you're looking for um, a good solution for engagement surveys and maybe you don't have the budget to recruit us to do it, then go back to episode one. At around about 15-minute mark, we start talking, or Leanne starts talking about the alternatives um, for engagement surveys. And some of those are very affordable. So even if you can't... Or free. Or free. And so even if you haven't got the budget for us, then use one of those. Okay, guys, really interested in your feedback. Podcast at oblonghq.com if you want to tell us anything you want about the podcast. We'd love your feedback. And if you want to learn more, go to oblonghq.com. Lovely. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.